0: Good evening. French President Emmanuel Macron is elected, re elected. The United Nations Secretary General is headed to Moscow at the invitation of Vladimir Putin. Bernie Sanders floats another run for president, and the mayor announces millions for the unhoused. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the WBAI News for Sunday, April 24th, 2022. French President Emmanuel Macron comfortably defeated his far right rival, Marine Le Pen, today. His supporters erupted with joy as the results appeared on a giant screen at the Eiffel Tower. My dear compatriots,
1: it is
2: with ambition and care for our country, for all of us, that I want to be able
1: to...
2: Look towards the next five years with this new era, era which will not be a continuity of the previous five years, but ideas for better, a better five years for the service of our country, for our youth. Chacun d'entre nous every one of us aura une will have a responsibility nous every one of us
1: aura à will
2: have to commit themselves because every one of us counts on more ce than themselves fait that is what makes up of the French people this singular strength that I love so deeply, so intensely, and that I am proud to be serving you again. Long
0: live the Republic and long live France. And that was Macron speaking earlier today, leaders in Berlin, Brussels, London, and beyond welcomed his de- the, his defeat of the nationalist candidate Marine Le Pen. But even as exit polls showed a solid 50, 58.5% of the vote, Macron in his victory speech acknowledged many had only voted for him to keep Le Pen out. Le Pen, who at one stage of the campaign had trailed Macron by just a few points in opinion polls, quickly admitted defeat but she vowed to keep up the fight with parliamentary elections in
2: June.
0: We could have seen a great wind of freedom sweeping across this country, but
1: the people of France decided it to be otherwise. We have seen unfair, violent
2: practices,
1: the sorts of practices that the French citizens are subjected to day in, day out.
2: Millions of our fellow citizens
1: chose to vote for our party. I would like to show my deepest recognition to all of those people.
2: Those are people
1: who voted for us in the first round and the millions who voted for us in the second.
2: second. All we can see in
1: in Macron's campaign is that he will destroy France, he will will break down France, he will break down its institutions. So these are people, there are people who voted Macron in. in.
2: A second time. Nothing is
1: written in stone. We can change the future.
2: Because our party is ready and we
1: are going to win numerous seats
2: in the parliament. And
1: we will serve you because we serve a great ambition, the only true ambition. That
0: is that France is our true ambition. And that's opposition candidate for president of France, Marine Le Pen. Macron can expect little or no grace period in a country whose stark political divisions have been brought into the open by an election in which radical parties scored well. Many expect the street protests had marred part of his first term to erupt again as he presses on with pro-business reforms. And one of the issues that roiled the French elections was the war between Russia and Ukraine. Le Pen was seen as the pro-Putin figure, with Macron representing the Western alliance that's been aiding the government in Kiev. In news of the bloody war, now more than two months old with thousands of casualties, United Nations Chief Antonio Guterres announced he'll travel to Moscow and Kiev next week as he steps up efforts to end the two-month-long war. United Nations spokesperson Iri Kaneko made the announcement of the trip.
3: The Secretary-General will visit Moscow in the Russian Federation on April 25th. He will have a working meeting and lunch with Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. The Secretary-General will be received by President Vladimir Putin. And just just some notes on Ukraine today. Um, Our colleagues note that new information has emerged over the last few days, which reportedly confirmed the massive destruction of civilian infrastructure in areas around the capital, Kiev.
1: But it was supposed to be a four-day truce, and... There can't be a four-day truce now.
3: We are in contact with the government of Ukraine on uh, preparations for a potential visit. So we are in, in touch um, with the government there. And you mentioned the truce, right? The Secretary General is not so much disappointed that his own personal call wasn't heated, but more that there has been no truce, that civilians cannot leave besieged areas, and that the aid that the UN and our partners are ready to deliver to these besieged areas cannot go in. So it's very welcome that he will be received in Moscow by the foreign minister and the president so that he can further these discussions.
0: United Nations spokesperson Eric Koneko, but an advisor to Ukraine's president Igor Zavka says Kyiv has not authorized the U.N. Secretary General to speak for his embattled country and expects nothing from the talks
1: this is not a good idea to travel to Moscow. Uh, we did not understand his intention to travel to Moscow and to talk to President Putin.
4: So are there any hopes On for these manner. peace talks? Are there any hopes for these peace talks? What, what's the purpose then?
1: Well, I cannot cannot tell you. I mean, uh, any, any peace talks are good if they end with the result. I really doubt if those peace talks organized by Secretary General of the UN would end up with any result. UN should do more, not only in terms of political things. Uh, UNSC has to be reformed, but in terms of humanitarian things. UN is, log- UN is log- lagging behind in Ukraine in terms of humanitarian support to my country. So it would be good if UN Secretary General would concentrate on these things as well.
0: Igor Zhavka is an advisor to Ukraine's president. The United Nations top humanitarian official visited both capitals earlier this month to explore the possibility of a ceasefire and concern is mounting over the fate of civilians in Mariupol. The strategically important port city is surrounded by the Russian army and Ukrainian soldiers and civilians are holed up in a vast steel plant on the coast. In its latest assessment, the Institute for the Study of War said the Russian strategy appeared to be to starve out the remaining soldiers and civilians. And The Washington Post has reported that Vermont independent Senator Bernie Sanders has not ruled out another run for president in 2024. A leaked memo from uh, Faiz Shakir, close Sanders' advisor, was his campaign manager when he ran in 2020 reads in the event of an open 2024 Democratic presidential primary Senator Sanders has not ruled out another run for president so we advise that you answer any questions about 2024 with that in mind speaking at a union uh, at a union rally with victorious Amazon workers in Staten Island where he appeared with Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez Sanders spoke out about the need for higher taxes for the rich Especially Amazon's Jeff Bezos.
5: Bernie, 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 Bernie. You have taken on one of the most powerful corporations in America. They spent millions of dollars trying to defeat you. You are taking on one of the wealthiest guys in America, worth a hundred and seventy billion dollars, and you beat them. So I say to Jeff Bezos. Who owns a $500 million yacht? I say, Jeff, when you're out on your yacht, I want you to think about the workers in Staten Island and your employees all over this country. They don't want a $500 million yacht. They don't want a $23 million mansion that you have in Washington, D.C. What do they want? They want. Housing. In a given year, Amazon, that makes billions in profits, did not pay a nickel in federal taxes. So we need a progressive tax system that says to large corporations and wealthy individuals, you know what, you're going to start paying your fair share of taxes.
4: So what happened here, out here, right, that you guys did in Staten Island was just the beginning. It was the first domino to fall. The first one. Yeah. And then we're going to have another election tomorrow. Yep. And we're going to support them in that. Yep. And then the day after that. And the day after that. All the way. All the way. Yep. Exactly. But what we need Amazon to do first and foremost is to recognize the union that won their election. Yeah. Fair and fair. If you're going to do business out here in New York, you got to treat our people right. Yeah. And so if you can go to space, you can give our workers a bathroom break. Ain't that right? Yeah sure that you're treating people well and giving them solid health care benefits. That they don't have a three-hour commute to and from work. That they can afford the house that they can live in. That people don't have to be sleeping in their cars in order to work for Amazon. And
6: if we don't get it, shut it down. And if we don't get it, shut it down. And if we don't
0: get it, shut it down. And we 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 were listening to uh, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and before her, Senator Bernie Sanders, they were in Staten Island with a rally of victorious union, newly elected union uh, members of that Amazon factory warehouse. The Sanders memo also provides an update on the senator's endorsement and travel plans. It says Senator, uh, Senator Sanders is interested in endorsing more candidates and we'd love your help identifying potential target races, says the memo. It also welcomes recommendations on where to travel. The 80-year-old Sanders has long been active in midterm campaigns and has tended to endorse more liberal candidates. Among others, this year he's supporting Jessica Cisneros, the 28-year-old immigration lawyer challenging Representative Henry Quaylar in Texas in a May Democratic primary runoff. He's also backing State Representative Summer Lee, a candidate for Congress in Pennsylvania. Meanwhile, another progressive mentioned as a potential presidential candidate is Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts. Uh, meet the press this morning. She was asked about the Sanders memo I'm
7: running for president in 2024. I'm running for Senate. President Biden is running for reelection. So in would 2024, you rule it out, Senator, I'm supporting
0: him? Would you
7: rule it out? I, you can ask it any way you want, but I'm going to say the same thing. President Biden is running in 2024 and I'm supporting him.
0: Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. Among the face, uh, pardon me, among the issues facing workers in the United States are the fast disappearing mandates to wear masks and take other precautions against the continuing coronavirus pandemic. WBAI labor reporter Bob Henley has more.
8: In New York City MTA, the transit bus line and that entire system lost 171 individuals, over 100 of them from the TWU Local 100. That's just in New York City alone. I personally have written stories about people all over the country that went to work, served the society at large, and then succumbed to an occupational exposure as a consequence of COVID. So even right now the federal government does not have a tally or registry of who those people are. Twenty-three million people are having long-term consequences and one million individuals have been knocked out of the workforce as a consequence of lingering symptoms. We did have balkanized response. Rather than the states and regions cooperating, cynically, the Trump administration divided the nation and then pitted red states against blue states. And the idea was that, first of all, they denied the seriousness of the disease. And it's very important to understand that initially, Workers, uh, The TWU workers, this is going back to the very beginning, were wearing masks because they were up on current events. They knew about the risks they faced. They knew they were in a healthy environment. And yet they were told by supervisors that they'd be written up because it didn't match. It wasn't part of the uniform, and they would scare the
0: public. I don't want to let that go by. You said that it would scare the people. They were actually – and tell people that the TWU 100, what union is that?
8: Sure, sure. TW Transportation Worker um, uh, Union makes up uh, the bulk. It's the largest workforce of 40,000 people that run the uh, the uh, MTA buses and subways. And they're the frontline workers. And they're the ones that were the most exposed. They paid a very heavy price. There's incidents of long-haul COVID in that population. Uh, the reality is that prior to COVID, they were working in an unhealthy air, particularly in the subway and in diesel, uh, bus environments. We do know that these occupational and chronic exposures, people should have probably been wearing masks all along. But COVID has uh, really highlighted the inadequacy of our HVA systems in general. I mean, that's the other thing too here, delineate to between what the, the need for workers to protect themselves. Individuals can make choices for themselves. But it has a consequence for people that are compelled to work there by definition of their job. And that's what we've seen here is a really a lack, a, a reckless disregard for the occupational health issues.
0: WBAI labor reporter Bob Henley. With Congress returning this week, the Biden administration is preparing to renew its push to secure COVID-19 funding. A White House official said after a $10 billion bipartisan deal stalled in the Senate before lawmakers left for recess. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Mitt Romney announced earlier this month that leaders had struck an agreement to provide the $10 billion in COVID response funding. And a British judge on Wednesday sent the case of Julian Assange to Interior Minister Priti Patel, who will decide whether the WikiLeaks founder should be extradited to the United States or the release of confidential U.S. documents. The procedural step in what has become a long-running and high-profile legal battle was announced at a hearing in central London following a March decision to deny the Australian-born Assange permission to appeal against his extradition. WBAI's Rebecca Miles has the story.
9: To extradite WikiLeaks publisher Julian Assange was issued to the British Home Secretary Priti Patel on Wednesday by the Westminster Magistrates Court. Patel has four weeks to decide whether to sign the request to send Assange to the US to face espionage and computer intrusion charges for publishing evidence of US war crimes that could land him behind bars for up to 175 years. Assange appeared in court on a video screen from a room in Belmarsh Maximum Security Prison where he's been held since his arrest in 2019 from the Ecuador Embassy where he had political asylum for seven years. He was dressed in a grey suit and tie and seemed more coherent in, than in previous court appearances. Assange was married this month to his partner Stella Morris in a ceremony held inside Belmarsh. Where the court ordered today, he will remain for the next four weeks. Stella Assange spoke outside the courtroom this morning.
7: For for coming here, uh, supporters and the press, Uh, you need to keep your eyes on this case. Uh, Today was a formality, but I still felt sick to my stomach about what happened today. A magistrate signing an order send Julian to the United States. The UK has no obligation to extradite Julian Assange to the United States. In fact, it is required by its international obligations to stop this extradition. Boris Johnson and Pretty Patel don't extradite Julian to the country that conspired to murder him Boris Johnson and Priti Patel can stop this at any time. They can stop it today. They can stop this nightmare today and return Julian to his family. They can do the right thing and enforce Article 4 of the US-UK extradition treaty, which prohibits extraditions for political offenses. Right now they're in breach of their own treaty. This is a political case, and with the signature of the magistrate, this now passes squarely into the political
9: domain. Free Julian Assange. The court order came after a UK Supreme Court decision last month that declined to hear Assange's appeal of a High Court decision to allow the extradition to the United States to proceed. Assange's legal team can appeal to the Home Secretary during the next four weeks and after her decision is made, Assange can make renewed appeal to the High Court as she opts to send him to the United States. Mark Summers, one of Assange's lawyers, told the Westminster Magistrates Court while he was not permitted by rule to present fresh evidence at the present hearing, Assange's legal team would make submissions to Patel on fresh developments in Assange's case. If Patel decides to extradite and if DeSange decides to appeal again to the High Court, his lawyers could also challenge parts of the lower court's ruling on issues of press freedom and the political nature of the U.S. charges, which are not allowed in the U.S.-U.K. extradition treaty. Rebecca Miles, WBAI Pacifica Radio, New York. Assange
0: 50 is wanted in the United States on 18 criminal charges, including breaking a spying law after WikiLeaks published thousands of secret U.S. files in 2010. And returning to Senator Elizabeth Warren, who... Also today, call House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy a liar and a traitor when asked about audio of the congressman saying he planned to urge President Trump to resign over the January 6th riot. The tape is a recording of a call between McCarthy and other members of his leadership team, including Representative Liz Cheney and House Republican Whip Steve Scalise. Cheney asked McCarthy if he thinks Trump might resign, to which he responds. No, it will pass the House. I think there's a chance it will pass the Senate even when he's gone. The only
8: discussion I would have with him is that I think this will
0: pass, and it would be my recommendation this should be done today. Republican Senator Roy Blunt played down the tape I thought anybody who had been as
10: close to President Trump as Kevin McCarthy was would know that the last thing that Donald Trump was going to do was either resign or quit it was a It was a pathway uh, there were ten days to the end of his term. Uh, There was no way that was going to happen. And I was frankly sort of surprised that uh, Kevin would even suggest it might be a realistic suggestion to make to President Trump.
0: Senator Roy Blunt, New York Times reporters Alexander Burns and Jonathan Martin, who released the tape, say they have more damaging audio of Kevin McCarthy. The tape was released after McCarthy denied he made the statement that Trump should resign after the January 6th insurrection. And Senator Orrin G. Hatch, the Utah Republican who crusaded for conservative causes and outlasted six presidents in a seven term Senate career that corresponded to the rise of a right wing movement in America, died on Saturday in Salt Lake City. He was 88. Born into poverty in the Great Depression, one of nine children of a Pittsburgh metal worker, Hatch, who briefly aspired to the presidency and to a seat, seat on the Supreme Court, had a grim Dickensian childhood. Going to school in bib overalls, he lost siblings in infancy and in World War II and grew up in a crowded ramshackle house without indoor plumbing. But he became a powerful Washington political force, advising those presidents, shaping some of 12,000 pieces of legislation as a sponsor or co-sponsor and helping to build and hold the conservative majority on the Supreme Court for years. When he left the Senate, Hatch said the the deliberative body was not the same one he had joined.
10: 42 years. I can tell you this, this this particular thing. Things weren't always as they are now. I was here when this body was at its best. I was here when the regular order was the norm, when legislation was debated in committee, and when members worked constructively with one another for the good of the country. I was here when we could say without any uh, hint of irony that we were members of the world's greatest deliberative body the bar of decency has been set so low that jumping over it is no longer the objective limbo is the new name of the game how low can you go the answer it seems is always lower. all the evidence points to an unsettling truth the senate as an
0: institution is in crisis, or at least may be in crisis. Uh, but during the nomination hearings of Brian Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court, Senator Hatch showed a different side.
10: Now, this being politics, and this being a this being a Supreme Court confirmation hearing, my Democratic colleagues actually, uh, 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 I've got to admit, that's, uh, that this is. Judge Kavanaugh is one of the most distinguished judges. Mr. Chairman, I think we ought to have this this loud mouth removed. I mean, we we shouldn't have to put up with this kind of stuff. I hope she's not a law student.
0: Senator Orrin Hatch during the nomination hearings for Brian Kavanaugh when he was uh, disrupted by protesters who were protesting Kavanaugh over allegations uh, he abused women in his life. And finally, the city will allocate an additional $171 million a year to combat homelessness beginning in October. That's according to Mayor Eric Adams today. The funding will go towards outreach efforts, specialized resources, and 900 additional safe haven and stabilization beds. This is the announcement.
6: What we are announcing today is the largest investment in the city's history in support of vulnerable New Yorkers experiencing homelessness on our streets and subway. The largest investment in city's history. We say that over and over again. (laughs) Over and over again. Come on. You know... And for some reason, that historic part never makes it into the story. (laughs) We're going to continue to do it. $171 million a year beginning in fiscal year 2023. Now, this is not a one and done. This is baseline. That every year this is going to happen. The funding will include expanding outreach efforts and connect those in need to special, specialized resources we didn't discover this on our own we spoke to the advocates we had a meeting last week Mm -hmm. first time where homeless and formerly homeless people sat down with our chief housing officer to give us the ideas as we continue to expand on what we are attempting to accomplish this funding will help expand these efforts including safe havens stabilization beds and drop-off centers the things that people have stated constantly these are the things you you need to you need to do. So now here's the partnership, and that is Mayor Eric Adams.
0: And that's some of the news for Sunday, April twenty fourth, twenty twenty two. The news is produced by Linda Perry. Our engineer is Max Schmid from New York City. I'm Paul D'Angelo. Thanks for joining us.